How many times have we had that experience where we just ate that one meal that gave our body exactly what it needed in that moment, where you feel completely transformed by that one meal? So if we can focus on just that one meal at a time, that one, you know, grocery shopping at a time where we just dive into the process, imagine if we can kind of start to stack that. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Aaron Goldstein. Aaron is a chef, teacher, and entrepreneur dedicated towards building skill and intuition around food and cooking to help people live the life they want. He's taught hundreds of lessons along the way from an organic farm cooking school to medical students learning food as medicine. He has now launched his new project, Cook and Live, where Aaron is building online programs to guide people through their journeys in food, cooking, and thriving as humans. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Whoa, thanks, Drew. Thanks for the intro. That was awesome. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Aaron, just to give people a little bit of a background, I mean, you are now living, and and Aaron just showed me what his... um, what his outdoor balcony looks like. He's living in Portugal right now with your with your family. Just tell us about the journey from New England, Massachusetts chef to traveling, living and cooking really all around the world. Uh, it's been an adventure, Drew. Um, well, we find ourselves in Portugal now after um, really interesting year and a half now, I guess. And I, I, I suppose that that's a shared experience for most of us. Um, you know, last last spring we had the idea we wanted to kind of have an adventure and and move on from from living in my hometown. And an opportunity arose to be a part of opening a really cool school in, in northern Italy that my friend was working on. And um, it was one of those interesting cosmic moments where the universe kind of seemed to be opening up. So we, we jumped on that opportunity and found ourselves in Piemonte last late summer and fall and had a really awesome experience cooking for a school of 30 kids, you know, building relationships with local butchers and organic farms and just cooking my heart out for these kids. And it was awesome. Um, but you know, it's interesting. We we love that experience, but we just didn't feel like it was the place for us longer term. And we kind of had the beach calling us. So <laughs> we made the move in December and find ourselves here in Portugal. And and finally, after a few months, actually in Lisbon, we're, we're on the southern coast in the Algarve and so far really loving it. So yeah, here we are building my wife and I both kind of working on online projects and, and working as uh, as nomads, in, in a sense, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Aaron, you know, as a um, as a chef, did you know this is something that you always wanted to do? Was this something that that you'd always been passionate about? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. When I was a little kid, there was something about food that that I always just loved, and I remember being, gosh, I might have been five or six or seven. And I remember my mom and dad saying, he wants to be a chef. 
right? From a really young age. So there was something there that, that maybe was just kind of inherent in me. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't have cooking jobs in high school. I went to college because that was kind of just what my friends were doing and what was in the world around me. And, and I graduated school from, from Northeastern in Boston. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta scratch that itch of food. And, um, it, it just, it was, it was always there. So I dove into culinary school and up in Vermont at the New England Culinary Institute. And from day one, when I walked into, uh, my first visit in one of those kitchens, I knew I was in the right place. And that was, geez, that was late 2005. And I haven't looked back since. Nice. Nice. You know, Aaron, I've seen some of your videos and I've seen you cooking outside in these beautiful locations. I mean, it, it's so cool. I, I know you are very connected to the land and the soil. How does how would you say that your love of nature, mother nature and, and healing the planet, um, how does that influence the way you cook and the way you live? So I don't know that I always had that appreciation until I worked on a farm. Um, I, I worked at this incredible place called Saltbox Farm outside of Boston in Concord, Massachusetts, the famous Concord. And the, my first experience there was, uh, working the growing season and we were cooking some, we were kind of catering and, and doing private events, but the, um, the, the work days and the, the weeks that turned into months and turned into an entire growing season was from seed to harvest, from uh, late winter into fall. And Drew, I don't know if you've had experience doing this, but once you start to understand the work that goes in and the love and the attention and, well, every emotion imaginable involved with trying to grow food, trying to tend animals, um, learning how to uh, work with bees, <laughs> taking care of sheep, I mean, and chickens, it's like, it changes everything. And that opened up a world for me, not just as a cook, but as a human, that has been really transformative in how I look at food, how I look at my place in the world, um, and my role in it. Okay. So that really set me on the path of having the utmost appreciation for where our food is coming from and all the nuance that, that comes with that. Right. Um, we can dive into, I think so many aspects of this discussion, but I, I think so much of my work is not just to build cooking skill, but it's to build a connection with our food. And this is something that used to be inherent with with humans right you know we evolved coexisting with nature and we we just had an intuitive relationship with our with our food sources right and it was a it was a sacred relationship and i think we have this generational gap of probably a few generations now for so many of us not everyone that has really become so disconnected from where our food is coming from what we're supposed to be eating, how we're supposed to be preparing it, and all of that, right? Um, and so, so much of what I want to bring to people is to kind of bring back that that sense of intuition. So it's not so hard. It's not so in our heads. It's not 
Um, it's not so arduous um, because it has been for a lot of my life as I've kind of learned, um, learned and grown through this process. Mm. That's I love that. Absolutely love that. You know, speaking of of this sort of these ancestral connection with food and, and nature and all of this, you know, thousands of years ago, Hippocrates is famous for saying, you know, let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food. Well, from your perspective, Aaron, why is food such great medicine? So it's not only that it's it's medicine, it's that it's it's what sustain, it sustains us, right? So if, if we could just give our bodies and our minds what it needs to thrive, then, then we set ourselves up for a life, of, a life of health, a life of potentially vibrant health and a vibrant existence, right? And going back to that idea of disconnection, but we're so disconnected where food actually has to become medicine because we're so sick, right? And, and we're kind of, and it, and it almost maybe just getting basic, simple, you know, non-toxic food in today's world can seem like medicine because it's just giving our bodies its basic needs, I think. Now, that goes, of course, you know, my, my expertise is not in the nuance of actually medicinal foods and medicinal plant-based foods, right, uh, or plant medicines, rather. Um, but it is in growing that relationship so that we can start to understand what works for us as individuals and or families because we're tuned into our bodies and we're kind of tuned into the, the feedback that different foods um, kind of uh, send through our bodies when we eat it, okay? So, so really, it's, it's not, I don't see food necessarily as medicine, Drew, although of course it serves like that, serves as that. It's just food is what we need and it's, it's real clean food. And then of course there's, you know, once we can kind of push away the noise, if we can eliminate what is kind of industrialized and processed and learn to just cook simple, real food and kind of grow that connection, then we can start to see the, the amazing positive effects that giving what our body needs to thrive can have in our lives. And I think that it sends ripple effects, you know, kind of from food out into all the aspects of our lives. You know, that's such a great concept, that whole idea of not just, like you said, not just medicine, not just surviving, but thriving. I know that's a big part of your work. But mm -hmm. um, but Aaron, for someone, okay, so let's say someone out there is listening right now and they're like, but man, I just don't have time. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time. It's just easier to, you know, to, to get the packaged stuff or to, you know, yeah. fast food, you know, go to the drive-through. Um, if yep. they were sitting with us right now, Aaron, if they were sitting with you, what, what might you tell them? So listen, we have the time. We have the time. It's about a value shift. Okay. And it's just that we are not placing the value in spending the time. And I'm not saying everyone, so many of us that are in that camp are just not placing the value in this work, right? And I shouldn't even call it work necessarily in this process, right? I mean, if you look at the staggering statistics of how much screen time the average American, let's just say, um, is on one of their devices, right? If you could just steal away a fraction of that, right? Then we can, we can get there and we can move the needle. But to me, it's about a value shift. And it's a number of value shifts. One, it's that time in the kitchen 
preparing our food? Is time worth spent? Time learning about cooking and growing skill is time worth spent. And, and I think diving into the process of trying to set up our days, our weeks, and kind of filling our calendars with food at the forefront can really kind of set us up for the other, um, the other, I was going to say Legos to fall, the other dominoes to fall, <laughs> as my son's obsessed with Legos now, um, in our lives. And to me, and I know that, look, I'm a chef and I'm, I'm deeply passionate about food, but I've seen it in my own life because even I can get away from it, right? I can get away from planning meals, right? And I can get away from being kind of um, deliberate about my food choices. And, you know, now it's much more loaded because I have a son, you know, who's almost four now. And of course that shifts everything. And, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm trying to get a business off, off the ground. And it's very easy for me to kind of just let meals happen as well. Right. And I find in my life and, and, and in our shared experience with my wife, when we sit down and we look at the week and we say, this is how we want to eat this week. And for these reasons, and of course, that kind of flows with the seasons and how we're feeling and the different, you know, aspects that are the, of life that's coming up and the fact that my wife is a woman and we have a four-year-old, so there are different dynamics. But if we can sit down, create space, place the value on making sure that we're getting nourishment first, then everything else kind of falls falls into place, or at least more so in our lives. And I really believe that that, that can happen for the masses if we can put food first. Mm, beautiful. Um, for those who don't know, Aaron has an amazing little cooking show that he does with his son. That this is where I first noticed him um, with his young son, and they and they do these delicious little recipes, and it's it's fantastic. It's on Instagram. I highly recommend it. Um, and the show is all. It's not only brilliant, but it's it's hilarious too. Um, Aaron, where did you where did this idea for the show for the cooking show with your son come from? Well, it's because of lockdowns, man. It's like <laughs> all of a sudden my son's not in school anymore. And I kind of kind of got forced into being a, a stay-at-home dad because I was you know, working largely on top of the, the cooking videos and the lessons that I was doing in person um, and, the, and the events. I was um, uh, I just lost my, my business that was in person. And so, you know, after months of, um, of kind of just trying to show up the best I can for my son, I just, I was, I just wanted to figure out how I can kind of serve people, right? I'm going to be with my son and I kind of, uh, I'd kind of resigned to that fact for at least, uh, um, the coming months. And, and actually we just found a school that we're going to be able to get him in soon, but I wanted to see how I can impact families um, in understanding the the struggles, even in our own rhythms as a family. And I am a chef. It's my job. I wanted to see if we can kind of open up uh, a different world for families to look at food. And I figured if we can show how seamless it can be having a three-year-old in the kitchen with his dad cooking and that he's one, capable of actually helping, um, and two, extremely interested and present with the cooking process, that we can start to kind of have 
you know, sparks go off uh, with parents and, and start to think, you know, maybe there's value in getting our kids involved in the kitchen. Now, there's a lot of layers as to the why, right? You know, I believe if we can normalize early the cooking process and getting our kids just around it, then it becomes intuitive for them, right? If we're just always eating out, if we're, you know, grabbing fast food and we're not thinking about where our food's coming from, well, how do you think their normal is going to look? And like, what's their health going to look like as they grow? Um, so that was really the crux of that. Like, let's have nourishing screen time for families to where there's value. And, you know, in, in a world where I think so much of it is just kind of wasted opportunity and wasted time in terms of that screen time and to give parents um, some tools, some tools in the toolbox so they can kind of, you know, have something else because I know how hard it can be even for myself. And so what we started doing was just simple cooking videos, things like how to hold a knife and just cutting like the easy things like mushrooms. And our newest idea is to have uh, this new series called Kids Trying Food. And Rafa and I just sit, we just try stuff. You know, just a couple of days ago, we just ate watermelon together, right? And I figured, you know, if I can show Rafa eating something, then maybe that's an opportunity for parents to be like, hey, look, let's watch what Rafa is going to eat today. And then we can maybe engage kids and, and have that kind of positive peer pressure of sorts um, impact them and say, you know, maybe that's worth trying, right? And get kind of get them curious. And curiosity is a word I often come back to, not just for parents, but for the kids, right? You know, one of the tools that, that we learned early on was instead of forcing your kids to try something, just eat it yourselves, right? eventually they're going to get curious and they're going to ask for a bite themselves. So that's kind of the philosophy, philosophy around that approach with, with the cooking videos. And then lastly, Drew, it's an opportunity for he and I to be together and to have just special time working on something collaboratively. And it's really interesting because he's the one coming to me now saying, Daddy, let's film. And <laughs> it's so exciting for me. And, and it kind of lights a fire you know, under me to just keep this going. And I'm excited to see where we can take this aspect of things. And I'm going to keep going, doing solo and, and working with people, of course, just me. But I'm really curious to where we can kind of weave in the family aspect and working with kids. Mm, that's that's great. And uh, it's interesting that you talk about how, how this is like nourishing. This is nourishing screen time mm. um, because there's so little stuff that is nourishing, you know, truly. Um, on television or on social media or wherever. But um, it's interesting because you do, you bring a level of, there's a level of, when I watch the videos with you and, and Rafa, um, a level of presence, a level of mindfulness. I mean, do you find that time in the kitchen can be sort of a meditation? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to, it, <laughs> to engage with your food, and, and there are a lot of layers to this, especially, you know, I, I eat animals, you know, I, I kind of, I take a kind of an ancestral Weston A. Price uh, approach to my diet. And I think that once you start to connect with your food, it's hard not to be very present in the act, right? Because, okay, one, let's just say you're eating animals, you know, that's something that I don't personally take lightly. I don't, I don't think you know, any of us should necessarily take lightly. And, and, and when I go back to that intuition that we spoke about, that I think 
was uh, was part of our ancestors' natural day to day. I I believe that most of them had a very sacred relationship with their animal sources of food, right? I know they did. And I try to bring that consciousness to the act, not just the animals that I'm eating, but Drew, any food grown and that ends up in our kitchens has everything to do with uh, with the humans that 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 made that possible, right? And there are a lot of complicated, really tragic, um, nuances to, to how our food arrives in our kitchens, right? So at the very least, I'm determined to be very present in that act, to not waste, to celebrate that food as much as possible, and to kind of honor it in a way, right? Um, and maybe we can peel back some layers, and I don't know if anything's coming up for you in that conversation, and maybe we can dive into a little bit of food system stuff, because Part of the reason why I want to do this work, why I do do this work, it's not just for our health, right? Drew, as you know, and I, I can tell by a lot of your interviews and from our conversations in the past, our food systems, although so many people, and there is an amazing emerging kind of celebration of, of doing things honoring our land, honor, honoring our connection to it, um, honoring the, the humans involved with, uh, with producing it, so much is broken, so much is toxic that I don't know how much worse it can actually get um, before it reaches a tipping point. And so if I can just do my part in creating a more conscious consumer so that questions start to be asked by more people, and people start to have a conversation with their butcher and saying, hey, do you, do you carry any grass fed? Do you, you know, or, or do you know where your meat is coming from? And start to engage in that conversation, then we can vote every single dollar or euro or any, whatever your currency spent every day. Um, I think that is as essential as, as an act that as, as we can all be um, having right now in the day to day. And to me, it all starts with asking questions and engaging with the cooking process. And even if you're not there yet, and even if you're saying, listen, I just, I really am not going to be cooking now, at least start to ask questions from where you're outsourcing. Right. Mm. That's kind of, yeah. Mm, that's great. That's, that's so, it's so powerful. I mean, I, and I love that idea of just every day you're voting, you're voting with where you put your money. You're voting with what you put on your plate. Um, that's just, uh, it, it's an empowering step that everybody can take because we eat every, you know, for the, I would think we all eat, you know, we eat every day. So we're, like you said, we're voting every day. Yeah. Yeah. It might be the most powerful vote we have actually. And it's easy in this world to think, oh, we get that, that one vote. Uh, every couple of years uh, or every four years in presidential and to think you're you're kind of off the hook the rest of the time. But this is something we absolutely can be doing daily. So true. Um, Aaron, aside from eating and cooking and, and doing these shows and all this stuff, where are some of the what are some of the practices that you have to help keep you centered and maybe a bit more sane and centered, grounded? So um, I've got a lot of them. The question is, can I consistently do them every day? <laughs> um, but meditation is the first. And, you know, 
that's one that was elusive uh, to me for a long time. But a couple years ago, something clicked and I started that process. And I don't know if I can count on one hand any mornings that I've missed at least a 10 minute meditation to kind of kick off my day. Um, as much as possible, I have different movement practices. Um, and it's been a really interesting one, Drew, with now our third country in a year. Um, and I keep on kind of having these resets. And yoga has been a practice. Uh, I used to be a trainer actually in New York, um, but focusing on functional movement. Um, so I love kettlebell work. Um, but really, lately, as you alluded to, it's really been more about just being in nature. And so that was really the calling that we had to get here close to the beach because there's nothing more powerful than feeling your bare feet against the earth, I think, and to create time and space to just breathe, to feel the sun and to feel the earth and be connected with it and slow down and just be present. And sometimes five minutes just on the beach, and I know we don't all have the beach, but you know, most of us have at least some grass or dirt to just put our feet into. I think that's one of the most transformative things we can do. But really quickly, um, kind of to recap the, uh, recap the big picture that I try to get every day, it's some time alone to just breathe and to be quiet. There's time outside to get some sun and to feel my feet in connection with the earth. And it's to move, if I can, at least just a little bit. And if I can get a good sweat in, that's as good as it can get. <laughs> nice. Um, Aaron, for anybody listening who's feeling a little powerless right now, a little hopeless yeah. about their life and their future, if they were with you, what might be one thing that they could do to, today to begin to take their life in a new direction? So I want to quickly say that listening to me, it might be like, all right, well, this guy's a chef. It's easy for him, right? Um, and he's in good shape, right? On the, on the, on the surface, you know, I'm not overweight right now. Um, things look pretty good for me. This journey started as an extremely overweight kid in middle school that ate industrialized processed food day to day in my school cafeteria. And I had a really, really conflicted relationship with my own body and with food. And it's been a lifelong journey. And one thing that has become crystal clear through this process is that we are only one meal, we are only one breath even from changing course entirely, from altering our physiology, from altering our mindset. If you can just sit for one minute and breathe slowly, tell me, Drew, what changes? You know, how do you feel differently after after spending that woman that one one minute? And if you can translate that into one meal, how many times have we had that experience where we just ate that one meal that gave our body exactly what it needed in that moment, where you feel completely transformed by that one meal? So if we can focus on just that one meal at a time, that one, you know grocery shopping at a time where we just dive into the process. Imagine if we can kind of start to stack that, right? And to come back to just that, that flow of, of the process to where we're just going to show up and going to be committed to that idea. We're only one breath away. We're only one meal away. Okay. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in all the big changes we want to make in our lives, right? I do it myself. 
you know, I, I know where I want to go so badly. And sometimes it's hard to feel like you can kind of grab it and touch it. But if we can just slow down and be present and focus on that one meal and making the most of it, right? And then just kind of resetting and trying to do that again. And when we kind of veer off course, which inevitably we're all going to do, it's life. If we can kind of just take a deep breath and realize just we're only one meal away, we're only one day away. And really, I believe this. We're only one moment where we just close our eyes and just breathe and just breathe and realize we're okay and just reset and just go. That's mm. kind of how I'm, how I'm approaching things now. Nice. That's wonderful. All right, Aaron, last question here. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time, say 35 years or so, what mm -hmm. words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? Uh, I think that it would be to breathe, man. <laughs> There's no rush. There's no rush. I want to tell you a story. Just last night, I was in this, uh, this group call. It's a really cool men's group that I'm in uh, weekly. And a gentleman uh, who was really quiet for um, most of the call, and then he asked if he could chime in. He was calling in from Devon in the UK and he was in his early seventies and he had been quiet and listening to the rest of us kind of talk about what we were, what we were going through. And he said, in my late fifties, I learned how to play cello in my late sixties. I learned how to play. I think it was the drums. And he said, just in the last few months, I started playing a gong. And he said, after 20 years, I've been struggling with heart issues and something clicked and I picked up this gong and now all my symptoms are gone. Right. <laughs> and let me just, and what was kind of screaming through him and, and it was maybe the lesson that I needed to hear in that moment, Drew, was to be like, just slow down, just breathe and stop trying to race to get somewhere, right? And I really think that there's a really interesting lesson when he said those words, I learned cello in my late 50s. It just sunk in so much. Like, I know we're all trying to, you know, heed those words of live every day like it's your last, but look, if we can just breathe and just be present and enjoy today, I think that's a huge step that we can take to just finding more joy in the day to day. And that's something that I wanna try to do a really good job of moving forward. Beautiful, Aaron. What's the uh, best way for people to find more about you, your cooking show with your son, and all of the, the work that you're doing? Yeah, right now I'm um, active on Instagram with uh, Chef Aaron Goldstein. And that's A-R-A-N-G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. Um, and I'm soon to launch a new website, which I'm very excited about. And that's going to be at cookandlive.co. And I think actually when this comes out, uh, that will be live. And that's where you'll be able to book me to work one-on-one -on -one or with your families. Uh, and also to learn about programs that I'm launching coming up this fall. I don't want to say too much about it, but there is a program that's already filmed. And I'm putting work into um, that I'm really, really, really stoked about. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're here. we will definitely hear more about it. Aaron, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the show today. 
thank you, Drew, for all that you do. You know, from the first conversation you and I had, um, it was clear to me that you just, uh, you easily, very easily bring your light into the world. And I think that's a gift uh, that you're sharing with us. And, and this podcast has been meaningful for me. So it's really an honor to be a part of it. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.